Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by Tom DeAngelis, Tom Fertile, Rob Longo. Welcome one and all. Good to be here, brother. Thanks, David. Awesome, awesome. Everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles. We're going to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verse 17 and 20 through 26. But before we break open the bread of life to see how the Lord wants to speak to us today, Rob, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit in to, uh, to help us to see and to help us to hear? I would love to. In the name of the Father, Father Son, the Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the gift of the moment. Help us to live each moment with you, with hearts that are open to receiving your love, the love that you so freely give us. Help us to be good receivers and then generous givers. Please open our hearts to prepare for the encounter that we will have at Mass, that we will have when we hear your word preached when we receive you in the Eucharist, Lord, please prepare our hearts now for that, for that moment. Thank you for the opportunity to, uh, just to be here, to share in the work that you want us to do, to, to bring all of your sons and daughters back to you, into a relationship with you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And Tom, do you mind giving us a little gospel love? Absolutely. Our reading this morning from the sixth chapter of Luke. Jesus came down with the twelve and stood on a stretch of level ground with a great crowd of his disciples and the large number of the people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon. And, raising his eyes toward his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who are now weeping, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude and insult you, and denounce your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice and leap for joy on that day. Behold, your reward will be great in heaven. For their ancestors treated the prophets in the same way. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are filled now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will grieve and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for their ancestors treated the false prophets in this way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ. I think I'd rather be blessed than than woed. (laughs) (laughs) That's the first thing that that strikes me is uh, such a dichotomy, um, contrast into into how we're treated and how we're... uh, uh, it's almost like it's a choice. Which 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 choice are we going to make? Um, take the road that leads to blessing, or take the road that might seem uh, um, more attractive in the here and now, in, in the immediate, um, but with the long term pain. So I think uh, to go back to our fitness analogies. I think some sh- some pain now is worth the gain later, as opposed <laughs> to trying to get the gain now and maybe risking the pain later. That's just my initial thought, uh, reading it that way. And I really think this is really depicting 
two different ways we choose to fill the great, great ache of our heart. And the Lord's saying to us up above where we're blessed, man, when the Lord is our source and we realize we're poor in spirit, I mean, this is the Beatitudes, when we ache and hunger for that relationship, that's the second one, hunger, that relationship with the Lord, we will be satisfied. When we're poor, he will He will fill us with a richness that money can't buy. You know, when we're weeping, we just ache to be held by the Father. We'll laugh as his precious sons and daughters. So as I read all the blessed part, I'm like, wow. You know, and again, we're called to stand out, to be set apart, to be holy in the world. And there's people that aren't going to like us too much because of that. We're going to stand for life, life of the baby in the womb, you know, marriage, you know, one man, one woman. We're going to stand for things that a lot of people aren't going to really like about us, but that's okay because it's the Lord that does the battle. It's the Lord that's our strength. So for me, it's all about that relationship with the Lord, that He is our source and summit for everything, our fulfillment. Our, you know, it is, it is where we get our true joy. So it says rejoice and leap for joy. But this woe is a warning. If you go to the world for the world's riches, you're going to be left empty. If you go to the world for the world's consolations, you're going to be left empty. You go to the world to, you know, hungry for whatever that appetite is in you, in your heart, in that ache, you're going to be left starving. It's like drinking salt water, thinking you're going to quench your thirst. It's going to kill you. So for me, I think that's really a challenge as to, is my heart's desire the Lord? Is my number one source of fulfillment the Lord? Or am I turning to a bottle a drug, an internet screen, whatever I'm doing, another person, what is distracting me and detracting me from that divine intimacy, the relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Because when you enter into that, your life every day is a great adventure. Through the good, through the what looks like it's 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 a rocky trials, it's awesome. So for me, that's that's a big contrast I see between the two. Yeah, I think to the um, to to the point that you're bringing up, David. I think looking at the beatitudes in particular here in Luke, because they're not they're they're slightly different in in Matthew and Mark, but um, it does suggest that if we keep ourselves in spirit, poor and hungry, and keep ourselves not satisfied. Um, in terms of weeping, you know that we that we're seeking consolation, that we don't find things in in our material world to console us, that those things will be will be blessed. But I too, I think um, they'll be you know they'll bring blessings into our life. But too, I think that the uh, the other point is that you know how do we live out poverty in our life? Um, uh, earlier in the week, at one of the gospel reflections I was at, there was a woman that brought up. She said, "You know, I I worry about this because she said, well, I'm not rich and I'm not filled, but I laugh a lot, and people, you know, think I'm a good person. They speak well of me. I think most of the time." And she said, "I'm not really poor. I'm not really hungry. I'm not." And we kind of moved it from there on to more of the spiritual thing because a lot of people do, you know, how do we in a life filled with Pretty much, I mean, we live probably the top one to five percent of the world. We're we're at the top of that, you know, in terms of the way that we live. Um, there's people that are starving to death, you know. So how do we how do we 
compare in terms of hunger? Like, what is it? Is it a spiritual hunger? Like, how do we how do we keep ourselves from getting caught up in riches, getting caught up in fame, getting caught up in those all those things that you mentioned? When we when when our culture is so saturated with it, it's just it's just how do we keep ourselves poor when you know we have to go to work every day and we start depending on the riches in our life more than we depend on the Lord, you know? So and it's I really, a challenge. I really think that ties into another scripture verse because the key I think is here is blessed are you who are poor for the kingdom of God is yours. And Jesus said, unless you become like one of these little ones, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. See, when you become truly accept whose you are, a precious son or daughter of the father, and you receive that sonship, and that relationship then in through and with Jesus Christ is with the Father. The Father wants to pour out good gifts on you. That's okay. Receive them with a heart of gratitude as a precious son and a precious daughter. That's different than going to the world to get people to praise you because of what you say and do or get riches to satisfy the ache of your heart. No, no, no. Scripture tells us, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all else will be given unto you. Bingo. Seek first that relationship, divine intimacy with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in through and with Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus taught us how to pray when the disciples asked us, our Father, when you get that, and you take Jesus' hand. He's standing on level ground with you. He's looking right into your eyes. It says it right here in the beginning part. He's looking right at you. Take his hand and let him take you into the deep water with the relationship with the Father, knowing that it's the Lord Jesus Christ in you, with you, and through you that accomplishes all things. And now let him take you into that divine relationship with the Father and let the Father pour out his love onto you because that's where we truly get that healing of the heart, that satisfaction of the heart, that hunger gets filled. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so for me, that's really what I'm feeling that calling is for each and every one. It's an invitation into relationship as his precious sons and daughters with the Father. Don't be blinded by the stuff of the world. I had a blessing this past week to... To have a just a real nice encounter with uh, with our daughter, who's been developing a just a, a beautiful relationship with the Lord on her own, and uh, you know, just a little while back, she said, "Dad, as soon as you stop trying, is when my relationship with God started developing." Because mm-hmm. I was, you know, really excited about her to to be open to uh, to this relationship with God, but I think I was getting in the way, and so my prayers didn't stop. You know, I just focused on praying for her and. You know, when opportunities would present themselves to talk, if she was open, we we would. But it's beautiful to see how her relationship with the Lord is is blossoming, blossoming. And I look at this here where it talks about it, for you will laugh because um, she had some time of weeping. She had some things happen in her life where it's uh, you know hasn't you know hasn't been a bed of roses so to speak. And then she just came back from a retreat last weekend and said, Dad. I finally know what you mean when you say that like when you meet people and the foundation of your friendship is Christ, how like deep it gets and and like there's there's no masks, there's no pretending. And on this retreat we laughed. We laughed and we, we had so much fun. I said, that's what we talked about before, like fun without fear. Mm-hmm. Like the fun that God wants you to give is that fun where you're just just 
able to be and just just be in the present moment with God, with the people you're with, and just be a, a, a kid. You know, you're a teenager, you're still a kid, right? Just to be and uh, and not worrying about acting a certain way to be accepted by the group. And uh, she uh, she's experiencing that, which is awesome. And it's really cool to hear her talk to her siblings, her younger siblings. Like they're asking her, "What's, what's a retreat?" And she's telling them, "And said, well, it's it's fun. Like this is like it's a lot of fun uh, to do this. So it's uh, it, it's really been a blessing to see how God has uh, has really touched her life and how she's responding. You know, and uh, you know the the thing I seem to do is just continually thank Him for that." not take any credit for any of it, that it's all his gift to her and his gift that's available to all of my children, all of God's children, all of us, uh, that he wants us to uh, to experience fun the way he intended it to be. Yeah, once again, the, the saying of the great wisdom of St. Ambrose to St. Monica, uh, when she was asking him about Augustine, was, you know, Monica, you need to... You need to um, Talk to God more about Augustine, and talk less to Augustine about God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it once again it plays out. I've been I've been trying to do that. My daughters are all all grown and out of the house, but I've been praying a lot for them rather than talking to them about their faith. Is praying for them, t- talking to God about them instead of talking to them about God. You know, because they they grew up in a Catholic family. They know they know what the expectations are. And she and she knew this is this was Sunday night, so she knew coming. Off of that weekend and re-entering, you know, uh, life. Uh, I, I don't like when people say, "Well, I have to get back into the real world after a retreat." That, that's what you experience is real. Yeah. Like that's so <laughs> that is real. We're going back into the counterfeit sometimes. Um, but she says that some of her friends, uh, her other friends, oh, you're with you're with your Jesus friends, or you're doing your Jesus stuff. So the very next line after "for you will laugh" is. Blessed are you when people hate you and exclude you and insult you and denounce your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice and leap for joy on that day. All right, so when we decide to live a life for God, it's not going to be accepted by everybody, and, uh, and we have to be okay with that. And, and in our hearts, we have to leap for joy that, um, that we're able to, to suffer along with, with our Lord. Just a little reflection on one of the woes. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolations. I am not rich. God has entrusted me with his riches, which I'm to be a good steward of, to use them to bring him all honor, glory, and praise, to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, give shelter to those in need. So for me, if I say I am rich, well, then I've just robbed and stolen from God because they don't belong to me. It's a sacred trust God has entrusted to me, his riches. I'm called to be a good steward. I'm called to use them to bring honor, glory, and praise to God to be a good steward. So that one really hit me hard. It's like that's when you get that, it'll set you free. And woe to you who are filled now, for you will be hungry. You know, if the ache of your heart isn't a constant hunger for that unity with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we experience in eternity, because we're not there yet. And if you're not hungry for that, if you're filled, more than likely there's some uh, some obstacles in your in your in your jug that need to come out. 
because really our hearts need to grow greater in hunger for that fullness of the relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the eternal exchange of love each and every day of our life. The closer we get to God, I believe the greater the hunger pang for that relationship. Yeah, I think it's tricky for us because many many times it's, it's easy to judge from the outside to look at somebody who's has whatever whether it's success, you know, with fame, fortune, or whatever, and 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 make a judgment when it really comes down to the intention of the heart, which is something that, of course, we can't see. Um, you know, not everyone is called to be. You know, Mother Teresa. Uh, there are people who have been blessed that their job is to, uh, or their calling is to finance the new wing of the children's hospital. You know, you, you need both. Uh, um, you don't have to be famous yet. There are people that have been blessed with the gifts to be a, a on YouTube as a as an evangelist and to spread the word through that platform and then gain notoriety. We don't know the intention of the person's heart, and I think for so for each of us, you know, for myself, all of us, we have to check our heart. Why am I doing what I am doing? And that becomes the, the kind of the litmus test. If I'm doing it, as you said. David, with God first and foremost, I'm I'm acknowledging your gifts, whatever they are that you've given to me, and I'm going to use them for you. No one else can know that. That's that's, that's right. between us and God. And so when we see other people, no matter what they're doing, we cannot judge. We don't know. We don't know their heart. It's not our place to judge. I think that's the kind of judgment that God talks about. That's that's not reserved for us, um, but for our own lives. Then we can check everything with that lit, lit, litmus test. Why am I doing what am I? Why what I'm doing? What is? Why am I pursuing this? And if the answer is to love and serve God first then we're on the right track. But if it's me first or what I'm after, now we're falling into the land of woe. And that mm-hmm. enters us into woe to you when all speak well of you, for their ancestors treated the false prophets in this way. You see, if people are heaping the honor, glory, and praise on you as opposed to saying, wow, can you believe that man's faith? Can you believe his belief in God? Can you believe how he truly truly speaks to God, wants to honor God. You see, that's healthy. Mm-hmm. But if all they're doing is speaking of you, Dave Abel this, Dave Abel that, or, or Tom Furtle this, or Tom Furtle that, that's a problem. More than likely, spiritual pride has entered in. You're not giving all honor, glory, and praise to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I really think that's the woe too, because it says when they're all speaking well of you, as opposed to your faith journey, your relationship with God, the the Father, your relationship with the Lord Jesus, the, Lord, the relationship with the Holy Spirit. I think that's really the, the catch-all there. And then we go up to, woe to you who laugh now, for you will grieve and weep. So to me, salvation is not a joke. It's not a laughing matter. Does But God yet wants us to rejoice and leap for joy. So it's it's that understanding that the laughter is not to... Just blow it off and just make fun of it. And say, ah, you know, I got that covered. It's no problem. It's, no, stop. But the laughter is that of a laughter and a joy of a son and daughter, precious, with the father in that relationship that he delights in us. And that joy and that laughter, it's a gift from the father. There's nothing wrong with that, you know, to have that joy, that happiness that's given to us by God himself. That's different than what they're speaking of here. It's different. 
I take that laugh, David, as a, almost as a condescending laugh, yeah. uh, making light of, uh, that's correct. Of, of of faith and people of faith and what's going on in the world. Oh, that's ridiculous, and other, there's no right or wrong, and, and just and just blowing all that off, like you said, it's it's a condescending, it's a it's it's an attack, um, it's a, this is nonsense, and that's uh, it's it's that's that's the area that we need to be concerned about because you're right, we're called to be people of joy, absolutely, um, while we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling, also to be filled with joy and give risen, re, people. Re, reason for our joy. Why am I joyful? I'm joyful because I know how the story ends. I know the outcome. I know whose I am. That's why I'm joyful. I'm not joyful because I'm the smartest person around and I know better and all you dolts are less than me. That's not the the laughter and joy that we're after. And the litmus test to our journey with the Lord, being led by the Spirit, is the fruit of the Spirit. And what's one of the first fruit of the Spirit? Joy. Peace. But joy. So if we are truly exhibiting that joy, not stoic, not whip myself in the back, not, you know, face all downtrodden, down, no, stop. The gifts of the fruit of the Spirit, you know, that peace, that joy, gentleness, kindness, you know, self-control, those beautiful gifts, they're our confirmation, our litmus test. We're on the right path. We're being led by the Spirit. So joy is a, is a gift. It's a fruit of the Spirit and our relationship with God. And, and it's possible to have that joy in the midst of sorrow, Absolutely. in the midst of suffering, in the midst of being hurt, let down, and disappointed. It's not that, you know, that giddiness. It's from God, right? So it's something that only He can give. The world can't give it, and the world can't take it away. Um, that doesn't mean that suffering is not going to come because that's not the gospel. You know, Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And I heard uh, one of our speakers at our conference say, you know, the gospel that she wanted to hear was indulge yourself, indulge yourself take up your keg, and, <laughs> and follow me. Right? Uh, no, it's deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And in the midst of denying ourselves and taking up our cross, he doesn't say you're not going to have joy. It's, the, the miracle is that you have joy in the midst of that. I mean, that's pretty awesome because uh, that's... And, and two, I, I was just recently reading a, a book by Peter Kreft um, called How to Be Holy. We used to have it on our stewardship um, rack uh, months ago, and uh, it, it's really a good book. And I, I understood, uh, I, I heard, overheard Bishop Gaynor mention that he had been reading it at one time. I think I was at a meeting with him or something. So, uh, But to the point that you're making, uh, he talks about faith, hope, and love. Quoting from St. Paul, you know, the greatest of these is love. But then he goes through and he says, you know, each one of those is predicated upon a lack. You know, like we don't know, but we have to believe. We have to have faith. We hope for something that isn't here yet, you know. And he also says that, you know, those things will, will pass away because when we know God face to face, we don't need faith. When we have what our hope is... We don't need hope anymore. But love, we will be immersed in love. So the greatest of these is love, and that love endures. Love never dies. And he goes on to say, but love is actually that outpouring of yourself, the giving out of yourself, which is what God is, you know, that that constant that constant gift of love to us, to the Son, you know, and this gift of the Spirit to us. So there's an emptying that happens there too in love, and we hear that in the teachings of Jesus about, you know, take up your cross and follow me. So, and in that suffering and in that sacrifice is the joy, and that's the experience. That's the beatific vision. That's looking God in the face and saying, I don't get it, but it's real, 
you know it's the most real of things and it is that it is that lack of you know we don't what we don't have we leave everything behind and we just immerse ourselves in the love of god and i even think about jesus teaching about love you know love is not loving those who are easy to love the people who love you back it's love your enemy love those who persecute you do good to those who do wrong to you that's love because that's a pouring out of yourself to somebody who's unlovable and that's what God does to us. He does it for us. We sinned, he still loves us, you know? David, would you mind, we only have a couple minutes left, but you shared something with me earlier in the week about um, being prayed up to not take the bait. You know, like sometimes, you know, the Lord works through us, right? People, God uses people. The enemy is trying to get us to grab bait. And you, you shared some stories of, you know, just some bait that was thrown out and how you just, you know, you just cut it off. Absolutely. And this is something that comes with spiritual growth. And the only way you have that spiritual growth is immersing yourself in the Lord. When you wake up in the morning, you know, start your daily devotionals, go to mass, get armed up, get suited up, and get prayed up. So when you enter into these situation. I was going into into a meeting with a with a friend of mine for four hours and I prayed it up. I was I was armed up and I masked up and all set. And this friend, every time he'd throw bait in the water, which would be, hey, did you hear about what's happening in this church and what this priest did and what that happened and what this happened, I immediately cut off the hook and said, you know what? I really don't know. I don't have any knowledge of that. And you know, so I, I couldn't really comment on that. Cut off the bait. Don't take it. Another situation. And then, it, and then don't ask. The one thing that really hit oh, yeah. me was don't ask. If you truly don't know, don't ask. No. Don't be tempted by the curiosity. Curiosity is of the enemy. To be curious is not of God. Don't be fooled into it. It's a way to lead into gossip. It's a way to lead into unhealthy area. So just cut it off and end the conversation. You know, and then something, a situation happened in... in uh, in our ministry, and, and, and the person came and said, oh, I'm really sorry to hear, you know, what happened, you know, to you in, in this situation. And I said, nothing happened bad. I said, it was all positive. It was done with open hands, and it was a beautiful thing, and God bless. We wish him well. In other words, don't take the bait. Cut it off. Don't fall into the trap where they want to get you into talking negatively, gossiping. Even truth is gossip if shared it really, truly is. You got to be so guarded up. But it was beautiful because then the relationship with this person was about our friendship, he and I. And it was beautiful because if we get armed up, because every day, every day, we're faced with these decisions. I love my man, Peter. In one <laughs> moment, he's the, he's, he's the head of the church. Here's the keys. And the next paragraph, get behind me, Satan. Satan can use any of us. Keep looking in the mirror, asking God, how did I play a role in this? How can I grow? How can I improve? And remember, it's through our trials and tribulations that we're formed more perfectly in our suffering into the image and likeness of Christ. God bless each and every one of you. Have a great day. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups, or call us at 717-367-7000.
Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.